All right, well, let's jump right on in on this exploration as we continue to discover what God has for us. There's so many different things that we can explore in our world. And when we're on these explorations, time is really an important thing when it comes to exploring. Because whether you're diving in the ocean or looking through a city or, you know, climbing up a mountain or going deep into the woods, you don't want to be caught in the dark. Time is important, even down to the very single second. And it's really crazy when you think about seconds and all that has happened or all that goes on in a single second. So I did some research uh, of worldwide of what goes, like what goes on every single second uh, in our world. Okay, so now I don't know if these are exactly all true, but they've done research, so we're, we're going to just go with this. Okay, so check this out. Every single second, there are 10,450 Coca-Cola classics consumed. I mean, unbelievable, okay, 10,450. Uh, every single second, there are 44 lightning strikes that hit somewhere on this earth, 44. Um, every single second, there's 3 million emails that are sent out and almost a half a million Facebook likes. Okay, how about this one? Every single second in the world, <clears throat> every single second, the human heart is pumping 1.6 gallons of blood. So when you think about everyone who's watching, that's a lot of blood, okay? Don't pass out. Don't pass out, Travis. Okay, check this one out. This is going to make you sick to your stomach, okay? Every second, Bill Gates makes $250. So if I speak for 30 minutes, Lord willing, today for you, okay? That's 1,800 seconds. Multiply that. When I'm done with my talk, he would have made $450,000. Way to go, Bill. Way to go. Okay, how about this one? The national debt on average every second based on 2019's numbers increased $13,000 every second. That's depressing. Okay, how about this one? Every second, every second, four babies are born worldwide. So think about that. Four, eight, 16, 20. Unbelievable. So cool. Now, this is a sad one. Uh, the World Health Organization estimates that every day in the world, 125,000 babies are aborted. And so that means that just under like every second, there's one baby that's aborted. And so again, if I speak for 30 minutes, by the time I'm done with this talk, 1,800 babies will be aborted. Seconds count. Seconds matter. So much pain, so much gain, so much loss, so much tragedy can be found within a very single second. One, one word, one movement can change everything. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your life has been altered in just a single second based on some triumph in your life or a tragedy that has happened in your life. But today, I want to talk about the most important. I want to talk about the most exciting, the most powerful second that can happen for all of us, that needs to happen for all of us. And this second has the power to literally change the course of your life. I can't wait to tell you about this second. But before we do, 
Before we dive into this second, I want to pray for you before we go. Father, thank you for just drawing us here today online. And I just ask that we would just get all the distractions out. And right now we would zone in um, to what you have for us today. Help us, please, not to miss it. Help us to make use of this time. Control my, my, my mind and my speech. I pray this in the power of your son's magnificent name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you want, open up uh, the scriptures or it'll be on your screen or grab your phone. We're going to be looking in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew was written by a guy named Matthew who was uh, a, a Jesus follower. He was in his inner circle. He used to be a tax collector and dropped everything to follow after Jesus. And he walked around with Jesus and he was an eyewitness and he saw this man, this encounter with his own eyes and he started to write about it. And this is the story about the man named Zubakiki. The man named Zubakiki. Now, for some of you who have explored the writings of Matthew a lot, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't remember a guy named Zubakiki in there. Don't hurt your brain too much. I just made his name up, okay? When my son Tristan and I were reading this story years ago when he was three, he was like, what's the guy's name? And Matthew didn't give his name, didn't give the character a name in the story. And so Tristan and I came up with the name Zubakiki. You can come up with your own. Okay, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Let's dive in. Here's what it says. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountain, it says that great crowds followed him. So Jesus had just... Uh, uh, finished his most famous popular message that's recorded in the scriptures called the Sermon on the Mount. He was saying things that was literally upside down thinking, blowing people's minds. People were so just like, what in the world? And people wanted more. They couldn't get enough. And so they were, they were embracing him and wanting to know, what did you mean by this? What did you mean by that? And so these great crowds started to follow him. And then it continues. One of the men who was in that crowd started to chase after Jesus and said, and behold, a leper, a.k.a. Zubakiki, came to him. And we've got to stop here because this is incredible. Uh, this is something that we could kind of like skip over. The fact that this leper, Zubakiki, this leper came to Jesus. You see, back in that culture, a leper had to keep their distance a leper had to be quarantined. They were on lockdown. They were separated, isolated from everyone else because their disease was so highly contagious and so people didn't want to get it. Not that we know, don't know anything about that type of thinking right now with this COVID-19. And so this leper was considered unclean. He was considered unclean. And in fact, if you got, if a leper saw people coming from the, the distance, they were in a sense mandated to start yelling out, unclean, unclean. There's someone unclean here. A lot of times they would have uh, these bells hanging around their necks to ring, to let people know, to let them aware that there was a leper nearby. But what he heard Jesus say, what he heard and saw with his eyes and with his ears, he didn't care. All the rules just went out the window and he ran and he approached Jesus. An unclean leper approached Jesus. And here's what happens. It says that he knelt down. He bowed down before Jesus saying, Lord, if you will, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And notice the difference. He didn't say, can you make me clean? Can you do it? Are you able to do it? He says, no, if you're willing, I believe that you have the power to make me clean. 
which makes us need to step back and ask the question when we think about the, the mountains that are in front of us or the trials that are in front of us that we need to see God move in, do we actually believe that he has the power to solve it? Do we actually believe that he has the power to move the mountain that's in our lives? And so what does Jesus do? Jesus moves with such great compassion. And it says that he stretched out his hand. He began to stretch out his hand. And it says that he literally touched him. Jesus touched the leper. And in that moment, I imagine that there was this dramatic shift. The crowd had backed off because of the leper. And then watching from afar, they saw that Jesus, who was clean, touched someone that was unclean. And my friends, that was a no-no. You weren't allowed to do that. You, you weren't supposed, a clean person wasn't supposed to touch an unclean person because then that clean person would be considered unclean. But Jesus didn't care. Jesus shocked at the whole crowd and he touched the leper. It reminds me, uh, years ago, I, I went on a medical mission trip in Guatemala and these surgeons were helping with these, uh, with these uh, uh, hips and knees and, and, and feet that were completely distorted. It was unbelievable, horrific sights. And my job was to pray before and after each of, uh, of these surgeries. And I remember being in a room before the surgery with this guy and his feet were so mangled and sores and scabs. It was just an awful sight. And I, and I prayed for him and he wanted to put hands on them, but I wouldn't go down by his feet. I, you know, humbly, I just admit I, I, I didn't want to. And I just put my hand on his shoulder on top of his gown. Well, then in here comes my friend, one of the surgeons. He plops down right in the seat takes his gloves off and begins touching the dude's feet. And I'm just sitting there like, wow. I mean, I was humbled in that moment because he didn't care. I mean, he, he, he wanted to heal this guy. He wanted to work on this guy. And he, it didn't faze him. And I just imagine that moment for so many people like, wow, Jesus is touching the leopard with all the skin disease and the scabs and the sores. Oh my goodness. And then what does Jesus do? He not only touches him and then he says this, he says this, he says, I am willing, I will be clean. I am willing. And he touches him and he says, be clean. And in that moment, I mean, a transforming moment that I wish we had a TV shot, like air view of what happened. Go back in time, take a time machine to, sh to see this. And all I can imagine is like the Disney, when, when uh, Beauty and the Beast, when the beast turns back and transforms back into the man. And it's just like this epic moment. I mean, can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? this? This leper is touched. He felt someone clean actually touch him. And then in that moment, what does it says? He says, be clean. And then it says that instantly, his leprosy was cleansed. Whew. Not a scar, not a blemish, no sores, everything. He had perfectly smooth skin. He was clean. The leper did not infect Jesus and make him unclean. Jesus infected him and made him clean. All of us who are listening, all of us who can hear my voice, all of us, need to be infected by the power of Jesus to make us clean. What do I mean by that? You see, the word leprosy back in that culture, back in that day, not only referred to a physical disease, but it also referred to a spiritual disease. The disease, the ultimate disease, our sin disease. 
Get this, Jesus has the power to not only cure a skin disease, but he has the power to cure a sin disease. I hope that excites you. I hope you're grabbing onto that. Jesus not only has the power to cure a skin disease, a physical disease, but he has the ultimate power to cure a sin disease. And man, I hope, I mean, if you're just, please grab onto this. This is the most important thing that you need to hear, that you need to understand if you haven't grasped this, if you haven't understood this, that all of us have this sin issue that we've got to take care of. And time is of the essence. Romans chapter 3 talks all about this. Let me just read this and then we'll go back through it. But it says, for all have sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. It says, for all have sinned. There's no one, there's no one on the planet that's righteous. Not one, no, not one. No one is righteous. And because of that, we've fallen short. We have, been, we have fallen short of, of, of God's glorious, holy standard, and it separates us from God. This is a major, major problem, and the enemy just wants us to skirt through life and not recognize that it's a problem, and then be eternally separated from God. And so God saw the problem, and he said, I'm either going to be separated from my creation forever, or... I'm going to do something so incredible. I'm going to give them my one and only son, Jesus. Because every single person, we have to be, what does it say here? We have to be justified. We have to be justified. What does justified mean? Justification is the idea to be made right in the eyes of God. To be made right. We all have to be justified because of our mess-ups, our disobedience, our sin. Like a judge who, who erases your driving record. Like me, I had a really bad driving record. And when you have a judge that just erases the fine and gets you out of the points, he has the power to do that. Or, or a president that can pardon someone right out of jail and it's just like the record is just gone. This is a, 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 a pardon, a clearing of a record like no other. It's our sin record. And, and there's nothing here on this earth that we can do to, to solve it. And so what has he done? He's given us this, this free gift of grace that we can be justified to take care of our sin problem through the redemption of Jesus Christ dying for us. He became the propitiation. What does propitiation mean? Propitiation is the idea of being this uh, 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 appeasing. It was, he was an appeasement of a, of a sacrifice that God needed to appease his wrath and his anger for our sin. Uh, this idea of propitiation was an idea of, of regaining favor back with God. And Jesus was the only one that could be the sacrifice to appease the anger and the wrath of God for our sin. And because his blood was shed, and then because he proved that he truly was God, and rose from the dead three days later, whew, game changer. It was a game changer. And now it says that we can receive this justification, we can be justified, receive this free gift through faith. Not by our works, not by anything that we can do, but through faith alone. All of us, you, you have to be justified. Your sin, your penalty has to be paid for. We all have to take care of this. Have you taken care of that? And the only thing that we know on this earth that God has shown us is Jesus is the only thing 
that can take away our sin problem. Justification we all have to receive. And I need you to hear this. Justification, like we see in this story, is not a journey. It's not a process. It's instant. Look at what it says. Remember, it says this. And instantly, his leprosy was cleansed. Immediately it happened. And, and, and it's really important, too, that we get this and we can miss this so easily. But, but Jesus, in that moment, healed him instantly to show off to the world and the crowd that it's not a journey when I forgive you. It's not a journey when I cleanse you. It's instantaneous. It's immediate. So much so that in verse 4, that's why he tells them to go see the priest. He says, Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. You see, but, but, when, it came, when it comes to, to, uh, to getting cleansed back in that culture, if you had leprosy, and all of a sudden you felt like you were starting to get healed of the disease naturally or for, or, or for whatever reason, you had to go to the priest, and there was a process for you to be considered unclean. It was insane. And, and in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, you can go if you want to read the whole thing. It'll probably put you to sleep. But let me just give you some of it, of what a leper had to do if all of a sudden they felt like that they were cured or cleaned from this disease. Here's what they actually had to do to be considered or deemed back to come into society and be clean. Check this out. The priest would take the leper outside the camp and examine him. If the priest sent signs of healing, he would order two live clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, thread, and hyssop. The priest would order the leper to kill one of the birds over fresh water in a clay pot. The priest would then take the live bird and the cedar wood and the scarlet thread and the hyssop and dip them into the blood of the dead birds over fresh water and then sprinkle the leper seven times, pronouncing him clean. That's not enough. It keeps going. Then the priest would release the live bird into the open field. Then the leper would be ordered to wash his clothes, shave off all of his hair, and then bathe. And then would be able to enter the camp, but he had to stay outside of the tent for seven days. On the seventh day, he must shave off all of his hair, his eyebrows, all of it, wash his clothes again, and then bathe again. On the eighth day, Day, the leper had to bring two lambs without defect along with six quarts of fine flour with oil. He would then take some of the blood from the lamb and put it on the leper's right earlobe, right thumb, and right big toe like the hokey pokey. He takes some of the oil and puts it on the palm of the leper's hands and the fingers. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going. And I'm not even a quarter of the way through. It was a process. I mean, this was an intense process over and over and over again that these people had to go through. It was a journey. It was a struggle. And check this out. And then after all the process, they weren't actually guaranteed to be clean. But with Jesus, it's not that way. It's not that way. It's, it's, it's not a journey. It's not a process, but here's what happens so easily in our world. We can fall into this trap and think that, okay, we've got to arrive to a certain level. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to overcome this thing in our lives. You know, we have to explore more and figure it out. And then once we figure it out, then maybe God will clean me. Then maybe God will heal me. Then maybe God will forgive me. Please hear me so clearly. God's forgiveness the currency of his forgiveness doesn't work with days or weeks or months. God's forgiveness doesn't work by the hour. It only works by the second. It only works by the second. I want you to just go here with me, if you will. 
Hear these sounds. Hear, hear this sound. Every second, so much happens all around our world. Every second, someone leaves this earth. Have you allowed the power of God's forgiving second to affect your life? I mean, come on, we're not guaranteed another second on this earth. But his forgiveness is guaranteed in a single second. When you get to the point where you believe that he's the only one that can take away the penalty of your sin, and you go to him and with faith and say, I believe that, and I surrendered to that. Instantly, immediately, you're forgiven. You're cleansed. Have you allowed the most powerful second to change and shift your life, not only here, but for eternity? What are you waiting for? Now's the time. So I want to give you that opportunity. Wherever you're watching, wherever you're at, you can, you can bow your head if you want. You can close your eyes. You can open them. You can put your hands down. You can put your hands out like this. Whatever you want. Maybe you're driving. Maybe you're sitting on your couch. Just in this moment, within a single second, with faith, not by works, just say, Father, I believe you can make me clean. Say that. I believe you can make me clean. Just like that. If you truly meant that, the scriptures say that you are saved. You are justified. You've been made right. And now in this moment, I just, I just want to encourage you, just let's, let's just thank him for doing that. Just say, Father, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for rising again and conquering the, the grave for me. Right now, I, I, I lower my pride and I receive you as my Savior, Jesus, into my life. As we just continue to process this, just know that you will no longer be separated from your Creator, but you will now be eternally joined together with your Creator here on this earth and when you leave this earth. Hey. Amen, 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 amen. Well, listen, if you were real and you made that decision and in that second you believe that God has forgiven you and cleansed you just like he did the leper, man, oh man, we just want to celebrate with you and we really don't want you to walk alone and I'm sure you have a lot of different questions that are stirring in your mind and that's our vision here is to help people move towards God. And so I want to encourage you to just text the word my faith to the number on the screen and we cannot wait to celebrate with you and answer any questions that you might have. Now before you go off and do whatever you got to do next, I, I, I'm going to sing a song that I wrote years ago specifically about this story. And you're going to notice within the song there's a complete shift 
with the way, with the energy of the music. And, and, and the reason is, is I'm picturing uh, artfully this idea of him being desperate to be clean. And then he was clean. And then the scriptures tell us that this man was running around the valleys and the villages shouting out, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean, freely telling everyone what he had heard. And so my encouragement for you is that during this song, that we would all, whether this was the first time we heard that Jesus has the power to make us clean or the millionth or thousandth time that you've heard this, let's go back and remember the second where Jesus forgave us. Let's remember the second where he made us clean. And then let's remember how important it is for us to tell the world and to let everyone know that he has the power to do the very same thing for them. And so with thankful hearts, let's keep remembering how Jesus has the power to make us clean.
the scars of vanishing, not a trace, not a trace. I've got nothing on me. Oh, I feel the feelings rubbing off of me. I see the scars start vanishing, not a trace, not a trace. I've got nothing on.